Thank you for rocking with the Good Life Podcast, The Kickback. It's your boy, Good Life underscore Russ. Thank you for tuning in every week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button for us. You can find us on Facebook at Good Life Podcast, The Kickback. And you can find us on Instagram at Good Kickback. All right, so we're here at the annual Juneteenth Celebration of Freedom. And this event is powered by Good Life Kickback, the podcast. That's my name. My name is Good Life Russ, and my co-host here is Steph. So this is powered by the Black Yoga Collective. So what we're going to do today and what we're here to talk today is about mental health and about parenting, how they tie together, how we actively deal with it every day, how it's in our school systems, how we should be having more of these conversations regularly. Um, So we're going to go ahead and introduce the panel and get started. So go ahead, Sierra. Oh, hi. My name is Sierra Shanks. I am a mental health and early childhood education advocate. I'm also a chemical counselor. I'm a chemical dependency counselor's assistant, and I am now um, in training to be peer support. So I'm really excited to be here. That's awesome. Introduce yourself. Hi, I am Walisha Berry, also known as the Birth Club. I'm a doula, home birth advocate, um, breastfeeding advocate, and part of my mission and passion is just to empower the black community to have the best possible birth experience that they can have um, with resources and education. My name's Wally Crowder, and I am a licensed uh, school counselor. Uh, I'm also specializing within a district of social emotional uh, learning strategies for the adults, um, work with uh, incorporating families uh, deeper into the school system and to the decisions of the day-to-day um, activities that uh, take place in the schools. All right, uh, my name's Tim Russell. I've been studying psychology since I was 15, probably. I started in child psychology. I've done couples therapy, um, studying CBT right now, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And then later this year, I'll be studying art therapy as well. That sounds so amazing. Um, definitely psychology, just I've felt drawn to it for a long time. And uh, I actively work on psychology daily in my own life, definitely in my household. I have kids. So, yeah, it's what I do. I'm Stephanie Jackson. Um, I am a parent and um, podcast host also for Good Life Podcast, a graphic designer and also content creator for a marketing company. Um, I'm here today and I want to learn a lot more about what you all see in mental health and parenting. Um, As far as having my own kids and also a person that likes to help kids, I want to see where I can do better, where I can play a part in that and what I can learn from it. So, Okay. Perfect. All right. Um, I would pass it to you, Ollie. I know we had a conversation earlier where you were saying school was tier one as far as us getting into learning and mental health, uh, which all of us should be receiving where we should be receiving it first. So can you kind of elaborate that, put that in your words? Yeah, within schools or the schools that we work with, one of the systems that we work with, uh, the PBIS, um, Positive Behaviors uh, and Interventions System, to where um, you work on three tiers. And the first tier is like the things that you do or the rewards you give to everyone. Uh, the tier two um, strategies would be small group and then tier three would be individualized. And basically 
the concept is if you do uh, tier one with fidelity and you're, you're you know, creating those safe spaces, those uh, psychologically safe spaces and uh, places for all students, you'll get less of a need to, um, to have students in those tier two or tier three. Now you, you, you're always gonna have students there, but you don't wanna be the reason why there's students in those areas. So you wanna create spaces that are safe, spaces that are inclusive, and spaces that, um, that you know, help kids with their mental health um, within the, the ordinary day, incorporated into you know, your classroom and things like that. So uh, the idea is, you know, using that concept, you want to, uh, you know, you want your families to create these safe spaces at home and not cause or trigger uh, different things to, to where now you need to um, have, you know, your students or your children um, in places to where if you just put certain strategies in place, you're, you'd be good. You know, so for instance, myself, because I'm not, I, I do want to say, though I'm licensed, I'm still learning every day. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a parent of three kids, and I am constantly being challenged on, on mental health things for myself and for my kids navigating through this pandemic. So anything I say up here today, I don't even want to give off that, that, that uh, air of I know everything because I'm still learning, and I'm still trying to put things in practice that I teach at school into my, uh, my household. Okay, well put. Passing to you, Sierra. So, how? So, tell us what mental health, like, what all this means to you, and how do you feel like we all can contribute? Um, so, for me, I really focused on mental health when it comes to early childhood education, and so really at birth, really when a mother is pregnant is when mental health starts for a child, and so just making sure that mother is healthy, um, that her trauma is addressed, um, that's really important to me. And then um, I've worked in a lot of early learning centers. And so children spend a lot of their time there because a lot of mothers have to work full time. And I notice how teachers are sometimes stressed and there's not the best um, methods when it comes to addressing social and emotional health of the children. And so I focus more so on conscious discipline. So I'm really excited to one day have a, a center of my own and just the concept of this center will make sure that we're not only addressing the health of our children, but we're addressing the health of our teachers, most importantly, and then also the health of our parents, so the mothers and the fathers in the centers. And so, yeah, because when it comes to children, by the time that they're five, they pretty much have developed their personalities. Yeah. And so getting them earlier and teaching them compassion early, teaching them empathy, teaching them um, different strategy, strategies to deal with trauma and their feelings and their emotions um, really will help prepare them for the rest of their life. And so, I yeah. love that. I, I think what you said, too, um, that I wanted to harp on and, and kind of further going to that you said as far as uh, us, teaching them at a, us teaching them at an early age would be our self-control, our self-evaluation, you know what I mean? Sometimes I think we're not, we're not trained properly to deal with a quote-unquote advanced child, someone who sometimes we have to humble ourselves dealing with them because they're not wrong, you know what I mean? But at first sight, it sounds like, wait a minute, you shouldn't know this, but they know. 
You know, so what are, what are some ways that you feel you do that when you're just like, oh, okay, like, you know more than I thought you did? Yeah. Well, the first thing that I do is when I'm working with any child, I don't look at myself as a superior. Okay. Um, we come at the, that same level. So I give them the same respect that I would like for them to give to me. Um, I definitely am not against apologizing to children when I know that I'm wrong. But one, I just give them that respect. Of course, there's authority and you teach them that. But um, when we're talking social and emotional, we're peers. And so I, again, I give them that, that same respect. And honestly, I feel like that helps them to, when I do have to redirect them, they respect me more because they know, okay, Miss Sierra respects me too. So one, I listen to them. Um, if I am talking to a child, um, I make sure I get down at their eye level. I give them eye contact. Um, and I just talk to them how I want to be talked to. And I, I don't know the name of the author, but there's a book called How to Talk So a Child Will Listen. And honestly, you just speak to a child like you want to be spoken to. If you, if you don't want another adult telling you, get over here right now, then you don't tell a child that. You say, excuse me, can I ask you something? And you say, please and thank you. And so you just demonstrate how you want to be treated towards that child. And then that becomes their behavior. They start to mirror you. I, there's a couple. Yeah, go ahead. There's a couple things I wanted to say. Well, actually, I didn't mention. I am a mother of five. Oh, nice. um, my eldest just turned 21, and my youngest right. is two. Um, right. Part of the reason why I do push home birth is because I did have four of those five at home, and I love that you are on the same path of it starts when she's pregnant. You know, we have to understand that our bodies are a certain percentage of water. That baby is also in water is being programmed. Everything the mother sees, everything she hears, everything she's feeling is being downloaded into that baby. So those traumas before the baby even enters into the world is already being experienced. All her lacks or all her successes, all of that stuff is being downloaded into the baby. Um, but, oh my gosh, you're, I, just, I love this. I love how we're um, getting into the age of learning things before five, I think it's important to pull out how long as adults does it take us to learn a lesson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not only learn the lesson, but learn it to the point where we feel confident that we won't repeat it again. Yeah. yeah. And these little people, two years, two years on earth or three years on earth or four years on earth or five years on earth, and we expect them to already respond yeah. and to react better than we would some adults. Yeah. Um, so I think when we can, as a collective, um, acknowledge some of those things, that these are little people that we're raising to be better than us and greater than us, um, to model after us. And we do that how, by how we engage them. Yeah. By res- I'm sorry, yes, yeah. by respecting them and having conversations like we would have, uh, we meet a stranger, yeah. you know? Absolutely. I, I definitely agree. I think that... Um, a lot of it is like historical and we have to um, I think we have to go back to how we were uh, you know brought up like in the slavery uh, aspect because I think a lot of it is like it's, it's a white supremacist way of thinking as far as how to control or how to dominate and, mm-hmm. and you should or you you better you know so I think that if we if we kind of peel back the layers of how we were taught and, and this just this whole mindset of, uh, you know, of, of 
I, I like how white supremacy is being repurposed, the word taken away from like the extreme Nazi people mm. and put back more into the way we even operate in society. Because I think the way we raise our kids come from that concept. You know, oh, who are you to be talking to me like, you know, this that whole, yeah. you know, that whole I'm, I'm better than you. I'm, I'm dominating. Yeah. You know, I think we have to discuss that, undo that, that, you know, we got that from our grandparents and, and they got that from theirs. And they got that from, you know, just the way these plantations were run, yeah. you know, power and control. Yeah. We got to undo that. I agree. But I, even I guess on the level of school age children, when you think about that, we put our children into a society that's being rail, ran mm-hmm. by predominantly white individuals yeah. mm-hmm. and we send them to respect their authority and trust their judgment yeah. based on anything because they're the, the title that they hold. Yeah. So we that's something also that we can undo even with pledging their allegiance i mean like all of these things when you think about it on a higher level but we we did it faithfully you know we did it at a certain point i mean i grew up in the 80s so at a certain point it, it was a it was an honor yeah i wouldn't go to the office and say it on the loudspeaker you know choose me <laughs> you're right right <laughs> my first 15 minutes of fame <laughs> Um, but it, like you said, we do have to go back. We do have to continue to go back and see why our um, ancestors, why our parents and grandparents did certain things um, that they thought they, they were just supposed to do. It. They didn't know that they had a right to do something different. Now that we know, oh, wait, yeah. we got rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can actually, you know, guard our children and um, with multiple black teachers we can actually do that we can actually send them where we have um a a a black individual male that's that's pouring into their life and speaking Mm -hmm. into them and uplifting them we actually have the power now to do those things but can we pull ourselves out of the system enough to do it as as a collective and as a whole I agree because I would say most of all it's it's just a racist system, so it doesn't have to be racist people running it. Like it's just, it's going to work how it's supposed to work, no matter who's running it. So, yeah, if we can definitely infl- I mean destroy and rebuild. I think that's like our only option. Go ahead, Seth. You want to add on? Yeah. So, um, as a parent whose kids are way older, um, not way older, but a little <laughs> bit older as far as what we're talking about is early childhood development. Um, my oldest son is 15 and my youngest is six so when I had my son I was a kid so now I'm learning now just now learning now how to parent correctly um so at this point I'm like I, I've already messed these ones up yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to I don't know I messed up somewhere um because I had to learn how to apologize I had yeah. to learn how not to just be an authority I was trying to grow up and grow them up at the same time so I'm yeah. like well I have to be this way because I'm now a mom um and I'm completely doing it wrong not realizing we yeah. could have grown up together quite honestly yeah. but I didn't know any of that so now at this point I'm learning um you you want some oh I, I figured out it was really hard for my kids to apologize to other people when they did something so when they hit each other or yell at somebody it's really hard for them to be able to give that back and that had to be because of me yeah. so i'm like okay i need to apologize to you and show you the humility from me so that you can then show that to other people um and there's all kinds of things i'm trying to redo study habits i'm trying to redo confidence in yourself so that you can go further in life and, and not just kind of be in the system um so these all of these things are so new 
and so still still so important. Mm-hmm. So how do you think, what do you think as far as further in life, um, kind of undoing the wrongs that have been done? You want to listen? Okay, so I can relate because my daughter's 11. And so I had my daughter when I, I found out I was pregnant when I was 18 years old and grew up in trauma, um, didn't understand my mental health until further, until further along. And really it was my daughter who showed me like, okay, the way that she's, I love her so much. And the way that she's responding to some of these things, I know that I'm hurting her. And so um, at this point now, one of the first things I felt like it was so important was to get her help also outside of me. Because I go and see a counselor. So let me get my child a counselor. And so um, I got her professional, you know, a professional that she can speak to. And then the same thing. I apologize to her um, (laughs) when I know I'm wrong. Which is not necessarily the easiest thing. I make sure that I take my breaks and take care of myself first. And then we just have that open conversation. I can sit down. If I notice that she's frustrated, I don't. I no longer take that as like her being disobedient or her being, okay, we, we talk about that. Yes. <laughs> so she's here. She might be looking at me. Because similar to while, like, I'm not perfect. So sometimes I do, like, let me talk to you. But, <laughs> but I understand, right, like, hold on. <laughs> Okay, and even in those moments, we have that heart to hurt, and that's why it's so easy for us to come back. And again, she understands that authority, but there's such a peer relationship as well to where she feels comfortable to come and talk to me, or if I do have to redirect her, she knows it's out of love, and that she knows it's for her best. Because as parents, that's what we're, we want the best for our children. That's all. If we notice that they're doing something that's inappropriate, our response is not the healthiest, but our intentions are not evil. And so now we're just flipping the script. So, So, and then for me, it's, it's, there's levels to it because I got to balance it around my family too. Because, you know, I'm I'm in an interracial marriage. And so more often than not, that will get thrown in my face in terms of how I raise my kids. And and just to speak frankly, it's like, oh, that's how white people do it. That's how, oh, you're going to let your kid talk to you. So it's like, for me, I got to say, no, this is... uh, this is there's research behind this. This is this is what's this is this is the latest stuff. And then I have to say, like, you know, when we did that, we were actually, you know, when you hit your kid, you, you, there, there's damage in that. There's there's trauma. Right. And so we we got to do things differently. And if and, and then you hear, well, we turned out all right. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> we learned to yeah, yeah, and so, and, and those are those are the conversations that I find myself having, like, and and not even in my own family, like in the schools. I I am a coach uh, by definition, and so I got to coach the teachers on how to build relationships with the students. And when I get these trainings, I start with this is this this model of discipline is over two hundred years old. It is. It is outdated. it is outdated. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. and 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 a lot of that, a lot of what I get back is like, well, this worked for me, and this and and it's about undoing, and, and and the research says though, you start with the adults, adult SEL. If you you want it, the the adults to do these strategies, you got to start with their SEL. That's what I like what you were saying earlier, yeah. starting with the adults because. Yeah. It's about humbling. It's about ego. It's about breathing. It's about 
taking steps back and unlearning like what we learned and 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 being humble in the face of our kids you know and and it's it's not it's 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 a process and just going off the back, I think also it's changing our expectations because we're expecting, like I think you said earlier, our children to be prim and proper and act a certain way. And so now we have to change our expectations so that when we're approaching them, we're not trying to get a certain result. Because that's when we get frustrated. We're expecting them to respond a certain way, and that's not necessarily true. Um, I just was going to say the sooner the better. I think that the sooner that you recognize um, not only your own hurt and traumas, the things that we probably justify that our parents have done. When we can go back to that moment and say, oh, I remember when, I can remember this one time my dad grabbed my nose and I was like so angry. I was so, it hurt, you know, and it made me feel a certain way and it took me a couple of days because I really thought he hated me. Um, and he didn't know how to express that it wasn't hate. That I was just, yeah, and I was trying to get your attention. I needed you to focus or whatever. Um, so I think the sooner that you recognize your own stuff is and also with your children, the sooner that you recognize, hey, wait a minute, I know I've been doing this, but this ain't right. Like, you know, like I said, my eldest is 21, so it's, it's um, amazing to have had the relationship we had and had conversations with him about things that I did where he like, mom ain't do y'all like she did me, trust yeah. me. Yeah. You know, because he really was an experiment, but I just continue to allow way, them to show me who I was, but also who they are. And that was one of the things, I think you said something and it made me think of a quote that I read. Um, I don't know who, I can't remember who, but it said that children come into this world to show us who we are and we're really made of. Um, And and that's a beautiful point because one of the things I teach, the teachers is to allow students to to have their voice. You know, student voice is important and it's like, and like I said, we were growing up, our voice did not matter. Like, do oh, not yeah. speak yeah. around the dogs. Do not, you know, we, we were taught to <laughs> shut up. And, and it's like undoing that process is key because now it's like, okay, well, what do y'all, you all get to have input in, in these decisions. This is, this is your household. This is our community. And that is like, it's, it's foreign to some people, but yeah. having student yeah. voices is really important. I think... Um, Something that's most important to me, uh, especially when it comes to mental healing, I think I would say are words, definitions, how we use words, how we understand that they use. And a lot of times when I hear people speaking to, okay, we need to start with the adults. I even love to reiterate, like, you're the first adult you should be starting with. You know what I mean? And I've had to humble myself so much parenting. I have six kids um, and one of and my oldest son passed away. So I got four girls, two boys. So I was even doing stuff from my childhood to my kids, but it's minor stuff. So you're not realizing you're doing it. You know what I mean? And then one day my six-year-old daughter, like, she really humbled me because, like, uh, they just couldn't sit on the couch because that was that was a thing. And I grew up with older people. So, like, that was a thing. You know what I mean? And then I allowed them to speak. So she was just like, why one day? And I was like, wait, what? Like, I had to catch myself. Like, huh? Yeah. Thought you was somebody on the street. Like, what'd you say? <laughs> And then I really thought about what she was saying, and then she's just like, it ain't, ain't that what couches are for, sitting on them? And I'm just like, damn, <laughs> they are for that. And then ever since, it was never a thing again. It was just like, we broke that barrier. Just like, all right, you know what I mean? And, there, and there's a lot of little things 
that we do that we don't realize we do. Like you are the hardest person to gauge is yourself. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you're actively doing. You ain't realizing you're doing. So yeah, your kids are a great indication to kind of show you, you know what they, I mean? They trigger you. Like, like Absolutely. My, my son tore up the front room building tents and I had to step back like, no, this is creativity. Made it bad again. Let, let, made it bad all let, over again. I, I, was, I was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, what do I do? Like, okay, okay, just, just breathe. Just, okay, he's, he's expressing, he's, this is actually a dope tip. Like, like I, I had to like reframe Try because, your hardest yeah, because, because my mom, my mom kept us out of the living room. She said, yeah. you are, yeah. if you can't keep it clean, y'all stay out. So I'm, I'm like, okay. I clean it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you, <laughs> like your kids are triggering you, you know, they, oh, they, yeah. they, they, they trigger you every moment. I'm like, okay. Who are you talking to? What are you doing? Like, you know, so it's like you, you can kind of analyze. I think you said it like you learn yourself through them. They teach yeah. you yeah. about yourself. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. OK, what can I learn about myself to where it's like I'm not I'm not ready to just like like really snap. Yeah. Also, what we have to understand the things that we don't like about our parents is in us. Yeah. yeah. So the things that we don't like about our children, right? And the things, right? But the things that we don't like about our children are also from us or or the other one, one of us. The other one. I'm gonna say it's the other one, but but that's another thing. When you see, when you can recognize self in your children, good or bad, it's a level up for you. Yes, that self awareness. Yes, exactly. I have tried to my. 13, soon to be 13 year old daughter, is literally me. She's all the way completely me. Bad attitude, smart mouth, smart as a whip. Drives me crazy. Uh-huh. Things she does, her mannerisms, uh, so many things about her, I literally see me. But I don't like that I do it, so tried not to <laughs> teach it to her. And somehow, <laughs> she's like a carbon copy. But have you acknowledged to her now? She's 13, so now can you acknowledge I have a bad attitude every now and again where you get it from? For sure. And I have said, like, jokingly, I don't know where you get that from. She said, you don't. <laughs> really. We We've spoken about it. We know I have a bad attitude. We know she has a bad attitude. We've talked about being able to express yourself. You can say whatever you're feeling, always, always. It doesn't have to come off that way. It doesn't even, and you don't have to be in trouble for it coming off that way either. Sometimes you're just passionate about it. But what we're not going to do is just have an attitude and not talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're going to need to say what you what's really bothering you. You're going to, or if you don't know, and there's just something, you know, you're mad. Something made you mad. We're, we're going to sit down and figure yeah. out where in this sentence I made you mad, so that we can talk about it. But I get a lot of, I'm fine, yeah. nothing, nothing, which brings up a whole, yeah. have I let you down and you can't trust me to talk to me about it, or. What, where's the disconnect here where you can't talk? So that's um, another thing. That's another thing I'm really battling is trying to get them to speak to me mm-hmm. and put my attitude in that's my pocket because yeah, it's present. <laughs> well, there's one thing like the research now is showing that um, trauma can be passed down through DNA. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some, receptors, right? yeah. So some of the things that she may pick up, you may not even have intentionally like. Yeah. shown her yeah. it's just and th- there's ways to mitigate that through nurturing and 
and and just being there, touch and things like that. There's ways to kind of help that, but there's there's research behind that. And I think the more we all connect and 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 share and and and, and vibe, I think that that we can kind of see. Oh, okay, it's, it's not just me, or it's not yeah. okay. There's a way to kind of to help that. And I think it's okay to bring a professional in on those conversations because, like you said, when they trigger you, now you're in a trigger state. It might, right? (laughs) We're gonna save me because I didn't jump off the boat, right? Right. And so to be able to have a professional who can see both sides, step out and see both sides, and give you those tools to direct that conversation is very helpful. most things of course there's some things I don't know that I don't know you know what I'm saying but I, I'm definitely Many seeing things. myself and I'm like what why would you do that is that the did you do that yeah. more than one time and then you figure out if it's a characteristic of yours or something that you just did that day yeah. you know what I'm saying? so I'm, I'm there I'm definitely learning about it, a lot about myself now that I'm just growing up and figuring yeah. out what my kids need which makes me figure out what I need No, I was just going to say the other part of, it wasn't a part of the quote um, that I mentioned earlier as far as the children come in to teach you, teach us who we are, but also we need to learn who we brought into the world. Mm. We need to know them. We need to learn who they are, what they like, what they don't like. Oh, you don't like this? What's wrong with you? Something must be wrong with you. No, I, that's who that person is. That's one of their, yeah. that's one of their traits. Yeah. So the faster we as their guiders and advisors and leaders in this realm, the faster that we can get that information and accept this is who I brought into the world. This is what they like. This is what they don't yeah. like. They don't like the lights off. Yeah. Work with that. You know, they're telling you a sign. They're showing you something. There's something that happened. Um, because we actually are born with two fears. The fear of loud sounds and the fear of falling. Everything else is learned behavior. I don't know how I got on that, but <laughs> I just threw it out there. <laughs> How the show usually works out. Yeah, and I think that's, that's important. And I think a, a, a self-awareness piece on ourselves is we have to let go of, I think you mentioned it, this expectation, but there's fear in behind that. It's like, what are you afraid of? Like, like oh, you, you're afraid of lights? Or, or it's like, like, you have to just explore and assess and, and what she said earlier about, you know, knowing her kids' signs, that, that's a part of that assessment. 
knowing your children instead of, as you said, putting this expectation of you got to be this. And I think that came from that civil rights and, and all that because we were preparing them for a hard, tough world. Yeah. So we were like, you know what? You, you, you got to be ready. And so now I think that the, though the world is still tough, I think we have a better understanding of it. And we can let go of those fears of, okay, I, I can relax. You know, I don't have to worry about like, okay, you're going to turn out like this or I don't want you to turn out like this or that. We got we to gotta let that go. Yeah, that was, that was important what you said. Definitely about the fears. Um, I think that's what it is a lot of time. People are feeding their fears mm-hmm. and it, like you're becoming afraid. You're allowing it to not to keep you out of place from doing something. You know what I mean? So with me, that's definitely something I, I push heavy in my kids because you're absolutely right. The world is completely different than we could have imagined it would be. And I think one of the biggest issues I see in this younger generation is like fear of embarrassment. You know what I mean? I see that a lot in adults, too. And it's something we don't address. And that keeps them out of doing so many things, so many things, you know what I mean? But these are the conversations that I have at home. And even speaking back to what you were talking about, like, I'm a Scorpio. So, like, my kids know, like, all of me. I tell them everything, you know what I mean? They know too much sometimes, but they know me. Like, they know me, know me. So it's certain things even, like, their moms have to do sometimes I don't have to do. Like, in part, sometimes it is being a father, like, just looking at them, they cool, but they know me. Because, and as a father, like, the best thing we can do is be consistent. Mm -hmm. Even if it's time to be authoritative, if it's time to be supportive, you know what I mean? If it's time to um, redirect them sometimes. Like, I have to redirect their thoughts because I see where they're going with what they're thinking. And it's like, I'm not giving you the end result, like, but go... Check, go in this direction and see where it take you. You know what I mean? And I, and I always have my kids try new things. And that was just things naturally I thought to do. But as I got older and things got harder, I realized I was building a relationship with them because it was in place. Something would go wrong and I could just say something. And they'd be like, all right. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, you know what I mean? But when I, when I think back, it's like we were establishing that. Like, you see, I have a hard day. I'm telling, I'm telling you about my day. Like, I'm telling you what's going on and even getting you to understand I'm probably won't be myself today like this is just what it is so they they get it they're not all shocked you know when I want to lay in bed all day they just like they look in there like oh he having a day all right (laughs) let me go make my own cereal (laughs) you got it big guy but I've I've been consistent with them since they were babies and um it's it's easier for fathers to do because for us as soon as the baby's born we have to form an attachment like we have no connection like you know what I mean and a lot of us weren't taught to even even that far so you know it's something but it's it's hard to know and for me it took me maybe three kids later because my first kid was the one I lost so for my second kid it was hardest because I had attachment issues like I didn't want to get close to him because I thought he was gonna die you know what I mean and I have no issues with death so I was just like all right this was gonna happen so not gonna rock with you right now because you're gonna leave me so then, like, after a year, I just got it. It was a fear. I just got over it. Like, you know what? Like, let's like you here anyways. Let's do it. And then that milestone set up every other milestone. And a lot of times I see, especially speaking of fathers, when they come in after they've been absent, you try to make up for the time you were gone. Like, you got to start establishing a relationship. That's, that's step number one before you're worried about Disneyland or Jordans or anything else. You got to get to know who this kid is. And it's going to be harder because they don't trust you. You know what I mean? Right. But to me, that's a good thing because that shows that you really want to do this. So I love it. I love it when kids are being little jerks because, yeah, you, you deserve this right now. So, you know what I mean? Hold yourself accountable. Accept how they are because you want to be here. That's what it takes. 
And it's so many things I feel like we go through as fathers that's completely separate, but kind of similar to what y'all go through. But we don't have the outlets with each other yet to work through these problems. You know what I mean? Sometimes you come to your guys, it's still a joking matter. And it's like, nah, this is this serious stuff. Like, this is my life. You know what I mean? So how does you want to add something? Yeah. Um, I think a part of that, like you said, that that system that's in place, uh, uh, another thing that I'm, I'm tasked to do in the schools is create community. And, and part of that, uh, besides giving voice, is creating the system in place to where you got these different people that can step in to help you uh, with this child. And I think that that's in, there's an absence of that within, within our community. Like, where, where is our system? Like, how do, I, how do I meet you outside of this panel? How do I come up? Exactly. It's like, and, and how does that work in our community to where I can come give you a call? Or, or I think that's, that's one of our, our main... I, I have a whole post that I posted the other day on Facebook this, this about the village and about the lack of help and support. Um, and even about the father's voice, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I, I definitely, with my clients, um, the partners that are involved, I definitely try to educate the men on um, my teachings and, you know, my preceptors said, hey, listen, um, men used to have a voice in the hospital and to say uh, during yeah. birth, they were present. And slowly but surely, as the time changed, they got moved out of the room so much now that when black men are in the room, especially if they're not married to the woman, they will kick them out in a minute if they ask yeah. too many questions. Yeah. Kick them out. Make you uncomfortable. Right. Make you uncomfortable. Or make you feel like your voice is not needed or wanted. Um, that was one thing I was going to say. And you said you mentioned something else about the. Um, oh, you mentioned something else about your children. I didn't forget. I forgot. Well, fatherhood. When we're talking about fatherhood. I didn't forget it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to say um, about having somebody to go to, having kind of this sort of thing. Okay, so I've never had that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which most of us had not. That's why there's so many of us now, because yeah. we saw the need. Um, not everybody sees the need. People think that they're parenting correctly, which there's no right way. It's kind of, we're literally all winging it. No parent has ever been a parent before. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all new for us. Um, however, there are some things that can be in place, some things that we're learning, and that's the way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so the other thing about that, in the community, this doesn't exist not in in your head it's not something you see often it's not something you know anything about and if you do go to them what you're you're weak um so to look for some mental health counseling for your kids or yourself is what's wrong with her or what's wrong with him it's not necessarily the support that it's meant to be um i think it would be important to find a way for this to seem very normal instead of just so taboo to be able to reach out for help yeah hardest thing I've ever done to ask people to help me with my children. Oh, yeah. I'm so awkward. I'd be like, can, can you, um, like, can you, <laughs> I don't even know how to formulate the words at times. Like, what are you doing later on this week on the such and such day? And, right. Can you, listen, I, it's so hard to do. And that's what I was going to say. So I, I made a post about the village and it, it, it was so sad because it was so many men, black men on the post you can hear the hurt that they had experienced, some trauma that they, or, or seeing their mother do it all made them almost say, well, just take care of your kids. Right. Yeah. 
Just take care of your children. They're your children. You had them. What we have to understand, life is always happening. Life is going to continue to happen, but we need to support people because my children ain't just for me. Yet and still, the way we are taught in society, I'm solely responsible for all the children that come from my womb. Y'all ain't, they ain't none, they ain't y'all business. But they are, because if you have a five, uh, 500, uh, Fortune 500 company or you do whatever you do, my children may come work for you one day. Right. You know what I'm saying? My children may marry one of your children. Right. And that's another thing that we should be really doing, like, oh, your kids, how's your kids again? Yeah, let's get them together, let's get them to play. Because that's how the, it was done before, getting, yeah. getting families around, like-minded people around, and getting their children around, because you, now you're already approved. Right. You know what I'm saying? If I if I know you about your business and you got your things going on, um, and you got you got six, I got five children. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Let, let's connect who who can connect and let's help yeah. them grow and be better. And that's how we formulate villages and communities. And going, you know what you said of how do we get to them? I think a lot of us set up shop and then expect people to come to us. Yeah. But I think it's mm-hmm. so important for us to go to individuals. And then when we're giving them the information, one, not being judgmental, not saying this is what you need to do, but having a conversation. So like I had said earlier that I'm in training for peer support. And one, so a peer supporter is someone who works with an individual who's entering into recovery for either mental health or substance use disorder. And they come to them with their lived experience. And that's why I feel like it's so important to have so many black and brown counselors and teachers and professionals who can come into a space and relate, not feel like you're better, not go into a space. Like I was in a, um, I won't say the, the coalition, but we were in a coalition meeting and one lady had gotten in the meeting and she was like, well, a lot of these people are afraid in their neighborhoods. And, and I was thinking like, okay, I, I lived in Nelson Park for the longest and although it wasn't the best neighborhood, I'm not as terrified as if you came into my neighborhood and you lived in my neighborhood. So when you come into my neighborhood and tell me how bad my situation is, I don't want to hear from you. But to have those professionals who can relate and humble themselves and can go and listen and understand that I'm giving someone information that they're probably not going to immediately take. And that that's fine too, but here it is, and then this is where you can find me. Mm-hmm. And still showing that love, still being there to support. You might work with a mother, and she might not take your advice for two whole years, but that doesn't mean you give up on that community or you speak down on that community. You stay supportive to them, and then when they have their aha moment, because a lot of us, we have our aha moments, but when we do, we don't have someone that we can trust to go to to have those conversations and say, okay, what can I do better? But eventually they will come to that space and it's good for us to be there for them. So. Yeah, and I think the, um, the pandemic has given us, uh, even though as bad as it's been, has given us opportunity to, uh, to kind of start over because with the pandemic, you know, we, it was basically like we were in cages, mm-hmm. you know, and we weren't we weren't designed to be like that. Like there was all kind of stories where they, they, you would hear like kids out there playing and stuff. And there a lot of people were like, man, why are they out there? But if you know, if you know about mental health and the need of connectedness, where some people need that, that, that feeling that 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 it releases that that chemical in their brain when they connect. And so I understood, you know that need of uh, connecting. But a lot of us didn't. A lot of us were, were in the house with our kids, with our spouse, with our significant other, and you saw um, domestic violence go up. You saw uh, a lot of cases of child abuse go up according to the statistics in, in Franklin County. And it's like, 
we weren't meant to be caged like that. But now that we're able to come back out and there's funding, there may be opportunities to reconnect uh, and, and to, to understand what's out there, like what services are out there, what, what's at my disposal, and what's okay for me to, to, to utilize, you know? So I think it's, a, it's an opportunity now to, to kind of start over and, um, and rebuild. Yeah. And, and I agree. And I think, again, going, going back to having someone that they can trust to even help them navigate mm-hmm. through those systems, because we talked about earlier about white supremacy, they're in those systems, too. And exactly. sometimes you have a mom come in there and she might have however many number of kids that she's having and the kids are jumping on furniture or doing whatever they're doing, being kids. They might not get the help that they really need because the person on the other end of the table is frustrated, right. is judging them. And they could still be a black or brown person, too. Yeah. And so I feel like having someone who can advocate for them as well is so important. Or having more people who are sitting on the other side of the table who have that consciousness to know that these people deserve the same amount of respect. This family, although they might need help, let me be the person to give it to them in a loving way. And they might not leave here today prim and proper, but that, again, changing the expectations, that's not the goal. Again, I feel like it's just all wrapped around love and respect. There's a few initiatives going on in the district. I can speak of in Columbus City. They're not really strong, but they are there of getting more black men into teaching positions because the data says that black male teachers actually perform the best across any demographic, better than any teacher and teaching anyone. Like, and, and, yeah. they, and they are the preferred teacher of every demographic, you know, and their test scores are the highest. So it's like, though I'm not a teacher, I'm in mental health, it's like, we, we need intentional recruitment strategies for our African-Americans, specifically African-American males. I think we're like one or two percent in the state for education. And it's just like, okay, now how do, how do we start from ground zero to recruit black men in these intentionally in our education spaces, whether it's mental health, whether it's teaching or whatever that, that position could be. You got a question? Um, or something you want to say? Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, you're fine. I think that You know, I, I, I have to completely agree with you because <laughs> you're right. We, we are bringing we it, it it's it's really a both it, it, it's a both end. Like like yeah. you do need to fix the system because bringing right. people into a broken system, you're still going to get the same results, right. even though it helps. So, but no, I, I agree with you that that system has to be changed as well. Yeah. We really need them yes. yeah, yeah. more than we think we do. Yeah. And we should listen to them a little bit. Nah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so I spent the uh, last couple of years living in Tallahassee, Florida, and that was one of the, we were a part of a couple of homeschool groups where they had men that had, was doing the yoga class that was teaching the children. Um, they did yoga and meditation. They did African history. So they had them come in, I want to say maybe like three or four days. So it was still ran by most of the moms that were able to run the school, um, people that had the free time. But they just solicited people that had degrees in certain things. You got a science degree? Can you come on Wednesday and teach science? You got, okay, you got this? Can you come over here? And we and then they will put a couple of dollars together and pay you to do a whole yoga class with the kids. So the guys are doing, right. Exactly. So it's really a way, it's easier said than done. And I think, I'm glad you mentioned COVID because COVID really, really did. For me, I was already homeschooling my kids, so it was different. And then, you know, other, everybody else, we got taught and trained to send our kids away, mm-hmm. you know. And so it was like, ew, like y'all around me all day? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be done with y'all. I want to yeah. be. So I had already in my mind, I'm like, well, I've already been doing this. And I, it, it was hurting me to see other women express this openly. Like, I can't do this. I don't know how you do this. Yeah. And I only got one child or I only got two children. I don't, how do you do it with five? And I said, well, it's they, they mine. Yeah. And I never and it's not that I don't want to ever send them away because trust me, I need my space. Hello. Like, get up out of here. It's Saturday night. So that Saturday. OK. OK. So no. But no, I just, you know, I think that, um, yes, I'm glad. Well, <laughs> and, and I agree, because we, we were talking earlier about, like, just being in this, this cage. And I think it, it depends on how you look at it. Because mm. for me, uh, with all my schooling or whatever, I still didn't know what to do with my son all day. Mm. I'm like, so I think that, <laughs> I, think, I think that it's important, like, it, but it gave us opportunity because I have a two-year-old now. And we got to spend his first two years of life at home with him. So that, mm. that was a beautiful thing. So it's like, I think if we have a plan or a blueprint, because we, people start creating these bubbles. And I'm like, man, that's a dope idea. Like, what if our bubble, you know, let's, let's call that our village. Like, who do we bring into our little mini village of, of, of people? Because they didn't want to send them to school, but they needed resources at home. So... I still think it's an opportunity to do that, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's in how we work it, you know? So I want to speak on my experience with that, right? So suddenly all my kids were home, right? Everybody's doing school at home. I'm also working at home. It didn't work at all. It was terrible. I would have loved to be there with me and my kids and, and teaching them even, but I can't because I'm at work. So that's where the frustration came from, period, is I'm on the phone. Thank you for calling. And they, give me a cookie. So <laughs> that didn't work out. I'm like, so then I'm, I'm literally killing their entire home experience because I can't, I can't do both. To be able to, to be, the reason I'm talking about this is because it brings me back to what you were saying about black fathers and um, in that particular situation in the hall. So for we can't have a situation where one parent can be home and one parent can go to work. It just doesn't work that way anyway, anymore. Parents were, or fathers were so pushed out and so pushed out of the room and so pushed out of the home that that's no longer a thing. So now everybody is working and nobody's teaching these kids. So whatever you're teaching them, you got to fit it in in between here and there and the world is raising them any other time. Um, I don't remember what I was getting at. I had a point. <laughs> but, but that's a thing. So we're going to go ahead and keep going. <laughs> I talk about, sorry. 
that's one thing being the um early education advocates I can talk about. I try to get parents early to try to talk how they can introduce learning skills with their child through day-to-day things. Because like you said, it is difficult. So if you're at the grocery store and you're trying, okay, my child doesn't know how to read. How can I teach my child how to read? Okay. What does this say? We're going to buy this type of cereal. What letter is this? What sound is that? And just using your everyday interactions with your child to teach them learning. If you're at the grocery store and you're about to pay with cash, okay, look, I have this. And so bringing your child into your day-to-day, I feel like can really help advance their minds. And then it lets them know that learning is outside of the classroom. Because then we get our kids in the classroom, they're sitting there, okay, when am I ever going to use this? Or this is not important. And by the time they're 18, they can't count their money. They can't use a debit card. They can't, if they find a word that they haven't memorized, they can't even sound it out. And yeah, and so, exactly. And so it brings in that excitement of learning too. Like my mom, oh, my mom showed me how to do this and and I can do that. And so, yeah, bringing it into every day. And that's the thing I think we, we, we need to understand that the school is teaching them repetitive stuff. Yeah. Mediate math and all different ways. Okay, we're going to divide it. We're going to multiply it. We're going to subtract it. And then we're going to add it. And then we're going to do some other stuff later. But, you know, y'all only going to really use most of that stuff when you really, if depending on the type of job you work in. So uh, the, the, the power in homeschooling is also... Um, coming and unlearning things, right? We talked about the things that we need. He talked about the things that we needed to unlearn. So when we think about education, education is bringing out what's already inside of that child. They already know math. They already know, I see many here, ain't nothing over there. Okay? Now, and then we're teaching them to count, and we're teaching them these other things. So certain things is already in them that we need to pull out. Uh, so we, right, we, and we overthink it because it's like you got textbooks and you got all this other stuff. It's like, no, okay, so let's simplify this. Let's simplify it. Can you go in there and cook me a meal? Yeah. Yeah. Can, and not burn my house down and not burn the food. And can you clean up afterwards? Okay, and can you go and can you wake up and brush your teeth and wash between your legs and get yourself together and look decent and presentable because you're representing yourself in this family can't you know so so now that that's a different type of education but that comes with us having a relationship having conversation with our children and then even owning our own truth that we can't do it all we don't know it all right so right now i ain't trying to cook for y'all because i'm tired so can y'all make something happen (laughs) help out the family So that's that's an excellent point. Um, and I think the more parents know about what teachers are supposed to teach. Yeah. So mm. with with, uh, with what I do, I do social emotional learning. 
but I also learn where it intersects with teaching. Yeah. And what you spoke of was relevancy. Like yeah. they have to make the they have to make it relevant. Yes. Uh, and they have to make it culturally relevant. So there's some things that the teachers have to do, and, and the the push now is teacher practice rather than kids. So they used to focus on the deficiencies of the kids. They're not allowed to do that anymore. They, they have to look at what are we doing in our practice that isn't connecting. And a lot of them don't like that. Like, especially the old ones, old school ones, they don't like, well, what do you mean, what am I doing? Like, yeah, so it, it's, it's about, they, 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 they try to look at the kids as the deficit, as it happened to when that's not the case. It's, what can I do to make this relevant? What can I do to spin it? And with this pandemic, one thing that we're, a lot of the coaches are, are trying to tell the teachers that there is, there is no deficit. Like, what it, kids have been learning this entire time. Yeah. They haven't been learning what's on your state test, yeah. but they've been learning, and we have to look at it that way. So, so I think it's about the parents knowing what the teacher's supposed to teach and how they're supposed to teach it. It empower you to say, well, how are you making this relevant? How can, how can they apply this? Because they're supposed to, so don't let them skip over that. Right. Yeah. Like a robot. Yeah. 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 The, the, the trauma, like, like when you're when you're doing a uh, when you're redoing a classroom, once again, that's a two hundred year old model of yeah. that lecture, and, and it is proven to not work. A lot of these teachers, they they really, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus. Some of them do these things, but a lot of them don't. They they talk to them, yeah. talk down to them when, as you said earlier, you have to get to their level. This is your the, the kids. The students need to know that this is their community. This is their yes. classroom. Yes. They are part of the learning process, yes. and they get to dictate yep. how they learn and, and, and advocate for themselves. So, what, yeah, and, and exactly. that's that is part of their practice. Like, like there's like there's so much we could get into, but part of the teacher's practice is uh, is gradual release, and part of that is I do, we do than you do so that and that's where the kids are learning amongst themselves having discussions so i guess part of that solution would be allowing the parents to know what's supposed to be happening in the classroom because if you don't know then you, there's a barrier there and you, you and and teach everything y'all just described is in their rubric it, it's in their um their, their um evaluations so it's just it's just hmm? Like how much does it impact affect yeah. the teacher if they not right. performing? Well, that's that that's where it gets tricky because you have the state testing, which is a whole nother system yeah. of profit that's pressuring mm -hmm. the teacher, and then you have their evaluation that's based on like really good teaching, and then it, it depends on what pressures are that that they're being applied to uh, based on the state and and. and it needs to be abolished yeah. and there's been a movement with teachers to abolish that state testing because the state testing it is racist yeah. it is it, it is biased <laughs> and it, it's making teachers teach to the test which is a 200 year old process so yeah.
it, it's the OTT hamburgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and so a lot of that is 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 um, <laughs> in other districts. The parents fight against that, and, and they win. Our parents have to be empowered to yeah. know that you can you you can push back at that. It, you know, it's, it's something about the whole unlearning thing, because even the, the what I bring in terms of birthing and how there's a lot of things we got to unlearn. This, what you're talking about, is something that's years old. I remember um, the lady said, yeah, well, uh, she talked about the, she talked about the schoolhouses. Excuse me, I'm about to lose my thought. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm but to go back to like, best thing yeah to go <laughs> so to go back to what we were saying with equipping parents like when I so I entered early learning in 2013 and I saw the Ohio early learning standards and they started at birth and there were you know, and I'm just like, why didn't I get this at the hospital with my baby? Like, you know, and I, so now I just really try to inform parents, give them the paperwork. Okay, this is what your child should know. This is, you know, this is where, you, when your child's this age, this is what they should be doing. And then when your child... <laughs> I would say that the, the, test, the test that she was talking about was um, basically saying that it, it was an old test, but they had asked a simple question, what was a saucer? But nobody in that town had used saucers. Right. Nobody in that community had used saucers. So all of the right, all of the kids had ended up in that in that arena. They all felt because of that one question. Yeah. Oh, and it was questions like that. It was just naming things that they knew. Exactly. Why do I need to know what a saucer is or something like that? So something as simple as that. We are, we have we have been so um, desensitized. Just to just going with the flow, just yeah. trusting in what's already been there, worked for me. Like you said, we turned out all right. No, we did not. Stop saying that. We did not turn out all right. We we masked it, but we are learning that we did not. So we're fixing self so that we can be better in our children as well. But yeah, that that testing thing is. I I think what's important too. Um, I go into classes and I tell kids with the teacher involved because you know my thing is teacher practice, but I tell them this is your school. This is your school, right? You are part of this community. I think when we arm our kids, like even we were talking about earlier, giving them the ability to have voice at home, then they can go into the school and then have a voice there. We also, like there's a few books I read recently um, do more ah, it's by Bettina Love we need to do more than just survive yeah. uh, and it's uh, it's it's uh, it's to abolish this you know racist education system part of that is teaching our kids how to have a voice in the political system but also in the school system in a classroom because if you have a teacher that is trying to shut you down you need to tell your principal tell your parent because your voice is the most important voice in that classroom. Yeah. As a child, mm -hmm. like the power you have as a child, is, it, it supersedes anything else. You are the reason we are all employed. You are the task we have. Yeah. So wow, we, have to, wow. we have to listen to your voice. Like, so we got to empower our kids to speak at school, to, to question, yeah. to question, and to know how to dismantle and change the systems that they are in. If we're not teaching them that, even in the book it said when motivational speakers come to the schools talking about character or whatever, if they don't tell the kids how to vote or how to take change in the system, they did them a disservice. We have to arm them with the way to dismantle or to affect 
as parents, and, and I believe that will equip them to make that change in school. You, they have power, and they need to know how to use it. Yeah, I think like said, um, that basically we're just desensitized. We're more so is this suppression. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we don't know that we can say something about a yeah, lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was joking, and I said, my dad for the white man. <laughs> I was talking about, basically, because the things that goes on his in his life, he doesn't push back at them. So I'm like, why would you let them say that? Well, what they mean by that? Yeah. He's like, well, they just, they said, you, and he's older. This is just what he was taught. This is how he was taught. How, and I was like, no, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. You don't have to listen to that. But you know what, Hollywood did that to us because we used to laugh like like in, in all those movies when you'd have the, the, the brother talking about the system, they would laugh at that dude. Yeah. They're talking about, oh, you always talking about the system. But when you get, when you understand the system, it is the system, yeah. right? But they clown people like that in movies. Yeah. They made jokes yeah. out of them. It's like, man, like they were right the entire time. Yeah. And, and, oh, absolutely. And, and, and we have to. They're showing us they're wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. And I, I think we should embrace that and say, okay, well, well, we need to get power to that voice back. It is a system. Like, yeah. You know? Sometimes we have to break things like that down to its simplest form, you know what I mean? And I teach, like, my sons and my mentees, like, that's a form of self-love and self-care, like, not allowing people to treat you and talk to you any kind of way, yeah. you know what I mean? Against, like, your boundaries. And we have to establish those boundaries for people. So, like, once I've let you know, like, I don't like to be talked to like this, you know what I mean? It's up right. in the air if you if you want to come talk to me like that. Like, it's, <laughs> it's out of my hands at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's something, too, that... Um, it's, I think sometimes it's difficult for people to teach at home because you never know the proper level to do anything when you're starting off. So mm-hmm. I think we have this real fear in the back of our heads, like they're going to go too far with this thing I'm teaching them. Like <laughs> they're going to wield this power and do something wrong with it. You know what I mean? But that was us. And that's how we learned. And I feel like we've made such strides because we just were not an obedient, like, generation like we're rebels like sometimes i used to rebel against rebelling and i'm like i gotta chill like i'm just too much of a rebel like sometimes you do have to conform to certain things and sometimes it's okay to say no i don't want to be a part of this you know what i mean no matter what's going on yeah and having that freedom like is self-love you know what i mean yeah, it, it it's about um us being more involved though uh because in some trainings i go into you have some teachers get up uh, some white teachers that say, well, when they don't stand up for the pledge, that bothers me. And, and they have some, at that point, they have something against that student, mm-hmm. you know? And it's yeah. like, as a parent, you should know that that teacher has a grudge because your student didn't stand up. We went you know? through that. You knew when a teacher had a grudge. Yeah. yeah. I would walk in, look away. Like, you want to go to the office today? I'm like, I ain't even... Let me put yeah. my bag down because yeah. <laughs> they, they know your nature. Yeah. They yeah. think they know how you are because, you know, these few we days. Them, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We, Absolutely. We, as parents, we, we have to be more involved because they are, as that book, I, I recommend that book. It's by Bettina Love. She says that we spirit kill these children. Like, we, yeah. we kill their spirit that's because right. we're trying to control them. And, yeah. and it's like, no, no, that that's not, no, that. Let them be, you know. Yeah. I, the only thing I teach my, my children or my students, I say, just show respect. You can respectfully dismantle everything around you. You can respectfully yes. put someone in their place yes. to where they don't have that leverage to, to kick you out of class because yeah. you want to speak your voice. You yeah. know, a, a lot of these uh, 
bias trainings that I'm in, one of the biggest, it, it breaks my heart, but they discipline young black girls to death. Yeah. You know, you look at the data and you'll see our black girls being in trouble for insubordination all across the board. But as parents, we have to we have to take another look at that. Like, okay, is it insubordination or are you using an outdated teaching practice? Yeah. Is it insubordination or did this child just really want to speak up and, and speak their mind? Or yeah. was, it, was that child going through something to where had it been a white kid, you would have given them yeah. pass after pass. That's our community. That's yes. our community sometimes yes. too. It's, it's a stigma within us that little black girls are mouthy. So like we yeah, start creating yeah. those narratives mm -hmm. with stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, I mean, white people really don't know us. Like they watch yeah. BT and stuff, but like they don't know us for real. So when they hear us joking and saying stuff, they think we're being serious. So then they sometimes portray that onto yeah. us. Like, yeah. oh yeah, well, she's just mouthy. I heard yeah. somebody say, I heard her mom say that. Yeah. She's just yeah. mouthy. But no, she's right. Like she's yeah. just questioning what you're saying yeah. and she's right. Yeah. You we, know what I mean? We label them bossy and, and it's there's a word for it. I think it's adultification. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's like we we have to fight against that. We we have to be more involved because, you know, Though I'm, I'm an advocate for teachers, I'm their coach, but I see a lot of things taking place that, that if a parent saw that, they would, they would question it and the teacher wouldn't get away with it. You know, actually parents have more authority than the principals and the people in the school. Now the people in the school, they can write them up, but the, the, the big, we were taught coming through our programming with school counseling that the biggest advocate in the school is a parent. Where you see the parents more involved, you see the whole school shift. And I know we don't have time all the time, but it is so critical for us to be in there to advocate for our kids. And even finding advocates. Like we can, that's where we find that community. So you have a, a two parents who work. Okay, well you solicited, y'all have a, a young nephew who ain't got no children or, or an auntie ain't got no children. You know, you can actually appoint people to stand in the gap for you mm -hmm. um, and show up for you. And we can, and that's just a part of our asking for help and delegating and not thinking that we can do it all. Or if we, if we dismiss this one meeting, it'll be okay. No, show somebody to represent you and your family. Um, and then I, I remember hearing somebody say years ago to, you know, places like to play, prey on single black women, yeah. you know, easy to manipulate, easy to intimidate. So going places with a black man, even if he's just a brother, cousin, whatever, is it's, it's, it's not just to get your car fixed, but also when it comes to dealing with schools or when it comes to getting counseling um, for your children um, or, or even sports things, you know, just just. Having someone there to help um, represent you and, and to keep you accountable creates that balance, yes, and so that nobody gets taken advantage of. We don't want the child to, we don't want the mom to, so we want to have ourselves covered at all times. So I, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and sometimes I get offended is when people say my daughter is too um, is grown because she speaks like very highly. She uses certain words and she talks. And as a mental health doctor and therapist, um, like, how do you feel about that? Because I personally, I get offended every time somebody says. Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm going to pass it to y'all. Can I say something real quick? As a parent, um, I don't like hearing the word grown or sexy or things like that when we're talking about children. I think we can, we, and, and at that time, it's safe for you to say, well, she is advanced. 
She is advanced. She's she's verbally advanced with her words. That no. Well, that was about exactly how I put it. You redirect them. You redirect them with the right wording. She's advanced. That. The, Well, okay, I will say this. I will say this now, and it's important that as grown-ups that we mind our words when we're around our children. Right. Um, I've recently had, you know... Um, picked up cussing and man it's, it feels so good sometimes just to drop them drop them just to drop them i mean it's like man i be making my grandma so proud man <laughs> however the girls is now my, my girls have started looking at me like mom you can you be cussing all the time i'm like oh my gosh i gotta you know so i think it's also um part of parenting good parenting or learning uh parenting is is that the things that you expose your children to, if you're having an adult conversation about whatever, whatever, they're picking up on all of that. So, I, you know, it's, it's best to have adult time and have mommy breaks. I call them mommy moments. Um, it's, it's good to have 15 minutes where you go out and, and you're in the, on the porch or you're just away from the children and you're having a conversation away from them because they do pick up. They are they are spun. What'd you say? I said go cuss outside. Yes. Yes. Let me go have this conversation away from the children, because at the end of the day, what, what you can comprehend and, and those words, they may not be able to, but they can repeat it. So, right. And they can go back and repeat something and say, mommy said. Such and such and such and such and this and you know in a school setting or they're repeating because again they want to be like mommy. Yeah. The, yeah. the 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 boys want to at some point they want to marry mommy because mommy's so great. You understand? Yeah. They want to marry someone just like mommy. So we have to understand that we are um, a daily representation um, for our children and and just minding our words when they're in our presence. And if if we need to explain, explain. And we were listening to a song and they they said they were cussing a lot and I said, well they're grown ups. Exactly. They make grown-up music. So yeah. the grown-up music talks about grown-up situations exactly. and have grown-up words. And I'm sorry that there are not enough children out making music for y'all. Yeah. But that's something that y'all can do. Right. So. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? I said, okay. I said that. What do you mean? The kids' music. Okay, say, um, what was it? The one? Kids' Bob. Kids' Bob. First of all, kids' box is a joke. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> kids' box like, is a joke. And it makes you want to find out what the real words are, so then you just go searching for those. And then the Stiller Man, Stiller Man, or whatever that was. These are kids singing these songs. These oh, songs okay. are adults. Yeah. These songs are adults. The kids yeah. shouldn't be singing. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. To um, to address what you were saying earlier, as far as your your daughter having a, a conversation um, that's that's really intricate or developed, I think that. Um, one thing I would do, well, with the redirecting, but on your part, um, in school, that skill to have those uh, deeper learning conversations, that would place her in, in another echelon of student. Yeah. And I think that part of what I look at uh, in the schools, I'm, I'm, I'm trained to look at like equity, bias, and, and one of the things we found is that our kids are being overdiagnosed mm -hmm. in terms of special education and under 
under-identified yeah. in terms of gifted and talented. Mm-hmm. So when you can see that in your child, the thing is to advocate for your child at school to be placed in places uh, that, that amplify and support that level of thinking. You know, so then when someone comes around and says, oh, whatever, you say, well, actually, she's gifted. She's uh, she's at a higher level of thinking. And and I like what you said. You you were like, you're like, you well, you well, you said, you well, well, actually, it's when you said ask a clarifying question. You, you were saying like, well, have them explain. So you say, well, well, what do you mean by that? Because you, you can have an opportunity to teach that adult. Because a lot of us, a lot of us like almost dumb down our children and, and we, we misplace what we see when it's, it's a gift. It's, it's, it's higher level thinking, you know? So it's like, well, what do you mean? Oh, well, actually she's, she's thinking at a higher level. She's processing faster. And, and so at school, you advocate for it. Ask them about their gifted and talented programs. And if they don't have one, then demand that they do, you know, so that, that you can advocate for your child. That's real. Yeah. It was focused on this one. Like, you know, when I grew up, I they put a label on me like I had a comprehension problem, and then you know, that's yeah. like that they try to label me like, oh, you mean ID? And so, in reality, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So now, when I have my daughters, I try to talk to them and teach them, um, you know, just express how you feel. Yeah. And I guess they ran with it. And my youngest, she just that's just her natural, natural how she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do have the teacher saying, hey. You know, she needs to be in this class. Um, they want to go to her first grade. But then I had other people saying, well, that's too much for her. She's still let her be a kid and move her to chat. But she don't know how to interact with other five-year-olds. Yeah. So she's like with they seven, eight-year-olds. Right. And that's they all fast she and her older yeah. sisters with the other. I mean, just, yeah. my kids is just me. I don't know why. <laughs> I think, I think um, a lot of us, a lot of us went to something similar, like, then that excuse me and it just isolates you know what I mean especially a lot of times that was me as a child at the times when I were being quiet even adults was thought like oh he's shy it's just like nah I don't I don't think y'all understand what I gotta say for real and I'm not trying to confuse y'all or like make y'all feel small because like I just pay attention to how people are with each other so you know what somebody can handle and how much is too much for them to, to you know what I mean to talk they'll shut down immediately yeah So, yeah, so definitely want to thank every. Hmm? Oh, go ahead. You got any questions? Yeah, because I wanted to bring up when you were saying, like, you would not necessarily make your kids do any certain thing, but you would kind of guide them and that teaches them analysis and rhetoric. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and I. Like, you gotta have like a salad and drink this and drink that. Like I'm 
pretty sure, yeah. you're going to be faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I think sometimes, too, as an apparent, like, that comes the humbling. Because to me, that's just a sense of entitlement. Like, people are ready to do things when they're ready to do them. So, like, who am I to say, here, you right. need to do this today. And you need right. to learn it right. today. And I, so I just put it in front of them. Yeah, I put it in front of them. And when they're ready for it, they come to it. Because I want them to see, like, whether this is for you or not. You know what I mean? So I'm giving them the choice, but they're also showing themselves. And, and that's freedom. Like, that's what I do for myself. I go try something. Like, okay, either I'm going to double down on this or I'm never doing this again. Yeah. And then certain things I already have established that I'll never do. So all of that is is knowing yourself. You know what I mean? Setting those boundaries for yourself and having the discipline to stick to them, even, <laughs> even when it's hard. So, yeah, it's, it do be levels. Okay, yeah, go ahead. All right, so I want to thank everybody. Um, I feel like I've learned definitely a lot today. It was nice to speak on situations that I'm thinking about in my head and there's nobody to talk to. Um, And I also want to thank you all for what you're doing. So I think we definitely need this. It will be so much better if people knew how easy it is to actually have it in their lives, the help, the advice, just somebody to go to that can understand what you're going through and what you mean. Um, so I, I want to say that. I appreciate That's it. Real. Tell them your social media. Oh, um, social media, Instagram is Steph.Magic and Facebook, Stephanie Jackson. That's it. There you go. Um, comments. Two things I want to leave everyone with. One is self-awareness and just knowing like when your ego is getting in the way um, and, and allowing um, your children to, to be and explore um, so that, you know, they can, they can have a, a healthy mental uh, experience and the other thing is just be involved in the school system advocate for your kids and their voice so um, there's a lot of things I learned today such as the, the power of networking yeah. and, and having to build this system or this village that's that's important but I will stop talking oh social media just underscore Wally that's J-U-S-T underscore W-A-L-I just underscore Wally, J U S T, then underscore W A L I. So, my closing comment, I'm just going to leave some encouragement because one of my favorite quotes um, is from Martin Luther King from his, um, you know, popular speech. And it's just that I might not see it in my lifetime. And I don't think when he said that, he meant that he would lose his life. But the work that I'm doing is for a future that might that might go past my lifespan, yeah. and I think we can quickly become discouraged, thinking like, "Oh, this ain't never gonna change." Like I'm 60 years old now, and but no, the work that you're doing is is working. You know, we're here. There's people all around the world, and eventually, someone else is gonna hear it, and someone else is gonna hear it. So we might not see it in our lifetime, but the work that we're doing is not in vain is for our children's children and their children's children. So continue to do the work. Um, so I'm Sierra Shanks. My business is New Generation Kids. So you can find us on Facebook at New Generation Kids or on Instagram at New Gen Kids Learn. <laughs> wow. This almost feels like the, like the last meal or something. What am I going to say? Oh, um, I want to leave y'all with um, that, you know, Understanding that life starts at conception. Life has already happened when that baby is conceived. Not at the birth, but the life is already happening. And um, even in that woman's body before she she conceived, life is is happening. Um, I just want to encourage y'all to continue to um, 
look for those resources and connect with the people that think like you because we are out here. Um, we are building a better world for our children and our children's children. Um, continue to um, be a part of your little people's life. And remember, when you advocate for them, you're really advocating for yourself. Like, it's really, you're raising many yous. Um, so you can give back best to your children and give them what you never had by truly going into um, remembering what you, how you felt at certain times when you were yelled at or when you were whatever the situations that you're dealing with. So going back to that, um, I'm here for it all, though. The birth plug is here for it all. So y'all can find me on Facebook um, at Walisha um, Whipple. That's W-H-I-P-P-L-E. You can find me on Instagram at the birth plug. T-H-E-B-I-R-T-H-P-L-U-G. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook at The Birth Plug. I have another one there as well. So, But I am here for it all. Thank you all for inviting me and having me here. Oh, Thank you're you. Welcome. You're welcome. All right. Uh, that was a wonderful panel. This was the annual Juneteenth Celebration of Freedom. It's powered by the Black Yoga, uh, Black Yoga Collection. Um, so... Thanks, everybody that showed up. Definitely thanks for the panel. Um, good life underscore us on everything. And the thing I want to leave us with, I would just say, is have hope. You know what I mean? Speaking from the place of I wasn't always the best father, but the day that I wanted to be better was like when I started to be a parent. So men out there, you feel like it's too late. It's never too late. You can start being a dad today, no matter how much time is lapsed. Like you can always start establishing that foundation. You know what I mean? And I would say to everybody else, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, I love seeing black family, black togetherness. It, it, it doesn't always have to look traditional either. You know what I mean? But if it's healthy, it works for you and your kids, then there's no complaints. Don't, you know, don't change what you're doing. So we're going to leave off on that.